This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Recep Tayyip Erdogan gave a victory speech after early count data suggested that he had secured another five-year term in Turkey's presidential runoff. He received more than 52% of the vote. His main challenger, Kemal Kılıçdaroğlu, took nearly 48%. Mr. Kilikdroglu called the result, quote, unfair, but did not dispute it. The lira neared a record low of about 20 to the dollar. Kevin McCarthy, the Republican Speaker of the House, attempted to quash talk of a rebellion among right-wing Republicans opposed to a tentative deal to raise America's debt ceiling, struck with President Joe Biden on Saturday. The agreement, which will cap non-defence discriminatory spending at 2023 levels for two years, faces a bumpy journey through Congress, with the House voting on Wednesday. One person was killed in Kyiv after Russia launched its largest drone attack on Ukraine's capital to date. 54 Iranian-made flying bombs were launched, a military official said, with 52 of them shot down. The attack came on the dawn of Kyiv Day, when the city celebrates its founding in 482. Somalia's government said that the country would begin voting for its president in direct elections from next year. The East African country currently has an indirect voting system in which clan representatives and delegates choose candidates for parliament, who then designate a president. A government statement suggested that a one-person, one-vote election will now be held every five years. Ken Paxton, Texas's Republican Attorney General, was impeached by lawmakers in the state's lower chamber over allegations of abuse of office. He will be temporarily removed from the job while the state Senate votes whether to oust him permanently, which would represent a rare punishment. Mr Paxton called the move, quote, profoundly unjust. He stands accused of using his office to help a donor then obstructing investigators. Iranian troops exchanged fire with the Taliban on the Afghan border, exacerbating a conflict over water rights. This month, Ebrahim Raisi, Iran's president, warned Afghanistan not to restrict his country's rights to the Helmand River, which flows into Lake Hamun on the border. Its water is a vital resource, Iran's meteorological agency says 97% of the country faces some level of drought. The Cannes Film Festival's top prize went to Anatomy of a Fool, a French courtroom drama directed by Justine Triette about a woman suspected of murdering her husband. It was only the third film directed by a woman to win the Palme d'Or. Jonathan Glazier's movie about an Auschwitz commandant, The Zone of Interest, took the second-place award. And figure of the day, 4%. The fall in the populations of Kuwait and Singapore between 2019 and 2021. And now, here's the deeper look at the day ahead. Nigeria swears in a new president. Although the results of February's election are still being contested in court, Bola Ahmed Tinubu will be sworn in as Nigerians' president on Monday. 
Security forces have warned citizens to stay away from the inauguration in a bid to dissuade any protests from disgruntled voters. Mr Tanubu is inheriting a dire economy. He will have to grapple with soaring inflation, depleted foreign exchange reserves and a hefty debt burden. Servicing it took up 96% of government revenues last year. He has promised to remove costly fuel subsidies, which would free up funds for necessary public investment. His predecessors reneged on similar pledges. Meanwhile, 63% of the country lives in poverty and unemployment levels are forcing out its sprightly youth. On top of it all, Nigeria's security crisis shows no signs of letting up. Mr Tanubu will need to work hard and fast to prevent the country plumbing new depths of despair. Raul Gandhi visits America. On Monday, Raul Gandhi, India's most prominent opposition leader, kicks off a week-long tour of America. Mr Gandhi will meet business and civil society leaders politicians and members of the Indian diaspora across the country. The trip comes three weeks before Narendra Modi, the Prime Minister, embarks on a state visit to America and a year before India's general election. Anything Mr Gandhi says about his country's democracy will be closely scrutinised at home. On Saturday, a senior member of Mr Modi's Bharatiya Janata Party said that the aim of Mr Gandhi's tour was to, quote, tear down India. That rhetoric echoes the BJP's response when the opposition leader highlighted the country's democratic shortcomings during a similar trip to Britain in March. Mr Gandhi has since been disqualified from Parliament after being given an unusually harsh sentence in a defamation case. When talking about threats to India's democracy, Mr Gandhi has plenty of material to work with. Hong Kong exports. Ten years ago, a 50-foot inflatable duck arrived in Hong Kong's Victoria Harbour, providing a surreal backdrop for tourist photographs. In June, the duck, now with a mate, will return even bigger than before. Along with the kitsch, the crowds are also coming back. Arrivals from mainland China reached almost 2 million in March. That is helping the city's economy to reflate. Its GDP grew by a faster-than-expected 5.3% in the first quarter, compared with the previous one. The city's government, unlike the mainland's, has generously supported consumption, dispersing electronic vouchers worth $3,000 Hong Kong dollars, $380, to residents in April. Yet one weak spot is the exports of goods. Figures out on Monday may show that in April, goods exports shrank year-on-year year for the 12th month in a row. Still, most of the merchandise that Hong Kong exports was made elsewhere. Its economy now relies instead on providing services, including tourist attractions like giant yellow ducks bobbing in front of a spectacular skyline. An anniversary on Mount Everest Monday marks 70 years since Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay, intrepid climbers from New Zealand and Nepal, first scaled Mount Everest. The number of people summiting the world's largest mountain has surged in recent decades. During the current climbing season, Nepal issued 478 permits to make the climb, 
the highest ever, contributing $5 million to the state's coffers. Earlier this month, Kami Rita, a 53-year-old Nepali, reached the top for a record 28th time. But the rush may soon reach its peak. This year's season has been among the deadliest ever. Eight climbers died and five are missing. Both rubbish and rising temperatures ravage the mountain. Melting glaciers transport human waste, laced with steroids, which struggling climbers consume on their ascent to the lowlands, polluting the local water supply. According to a recent study published in Nature, a journal, Everest's glaciers have lost 2,000 years' build-up of ice between 1989 and 2019. For all its majestic glory, man-made troubles increasingly haunt the climb. Alexander the Great's Cultural Legacy In recent years, there has been a spate of exhibitions that deal with the rise, demise and splendour of empires. Italy's National Archaeological Museum in Naples joins the discussion on Monday, opening an exhibition devoted to the empire that Alexander the Great conquered in the 4th century BC. By the age of 30, the Macedonian king ruled a state that stretched from Greece to India. The exhibition focuses on the cultural effects of this violent clash between West and East. Alexander's empire was as short-lived as it was huge, barely surviving his death in 323 BC, but it left a legacy in art and through that lasted much longer. Visitors to the show in Naples will be able to watch restoration work taking place on a vast and vividly violent mosaic that depicts a battle between Alexander and Darius III of Persia. The so-called Alexander Mosaic, which was found in Pompeii, is more than five metres wide. Its repair is a fitting tribute to Alexander's cultural impact. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown three winners on Saturday. Monday. What alternative name is often used for the chess piece known as a rook? Finally, here's the quote of the day from John F. Kennedy, who was born on this day in 1917. Forgive your enemies, but never forget their names. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. 